Hey guys, and welcome to the Bookify podcast with Jen and Sarah. And today we will be discussing one of John Green's most infamous books, I'd like to say, and it was Looking for Alaska. Now, before we get into this book, I wanted to start off saying, how are you, Sarah? I'm okay. I'm good, I think. (laughs) The weather's been nice, which has been nice. I just went plant shopping with my mom. We're going to do some gardening this year. I'm excited. You know, the usual. (laughs) How are you? I'm good. I just came back from a trip like about a week ago, and it was nice to get away, you know, be be on my own for a little bit, you know, just like, you know, getting some some relaxation, not a lot of it, but you know, it, it, it was it was definitely much needed. And that's the reason why there was no episode um last week was because I was not here. So um I think we are definitely I think that's gonna be only our one time where there's not gonna be an episode. Unless we tell you in advance. We'll let we'll, we'll let you know if there's never an episode. Because right now we're kind of new to this, so you know, we're yeah. learning things <laughs> as they go. So excuse us a little bit if things you know, you know, like there are things missing or you know we mess up on certain things. Just know that like we're not doing it on purpose. We just don't know what we're doing, <laughs> and that's okay. A hundred percent, it's okay. All right, so I guess you want to get started. Sure. Okay. So, well, before we start off with the actual book, um, we're going to read another blurb about John Green. Sarah, take it away. Yeah, because this one's different than the first one. And it's been, you know, it's been a couple episodes. Okay. John Green, apostrophe, it has this website in parentheses and then an apostrophe. Hold on. John Green's favorite last words of those are uh, those of Oscar Wilde, dying in a garishly decorated hotel room. Wilde turned to a friend and said, Either this wallpaper goes, or I do. He is a New York Times best-selling author who has received numerous awards, including both the Prince Medal and a Prince Honor. John is also the co-creator with his brother Hank of the popular video blog Brotherhood 2.0, which has been watched for more than watched more than 80 million times by nerdfighter fans all over the globe. John Green lives in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's interesting. That's the end. But it's before it was called Blog Brothers. And it's been Vlog Brothers for like a decade. <laughs> yes, and when was this published? Go on. I, you, yeah. I think um, at the end of the book, I think John Green mentions that he actually started reading writing this book in two thousand and one. Ah, yeah, twenty four. So okay, that makes sense. Definitely like twenty years. Goodness gracious, 20, that's yeah. insane. But yeah. So yeah. So um, I guess we should start off with a little bit of background about the book. So basically the book is about these characters, Miles, Alaska, or mm-hmm. Miles known as Pudge. Yeah. The Colonel, which I'm trying to remember what his name was. Because uh, I always mentioned him as the Colonel, but I never remembered his actual name. Oh, no. Uh, I should remember, but I don't. It's you only fine. hear it like three times. Yeah, because the colonel. Yeah, throughout the entire year like, <laughs> when you first like when we first meet him, but after Alaska, Alaska calls him, you know, the colonel, like you never hear his name again. So I'm okay right. with that. And it's Takumi or Takumi. I don't. Is yeah, Takumi. Takumi. I just want to make sure. And Lara and and my and the eagle. Yes. 
but he's not one of the kids, so he doesn't. He's one of the kids, so he he's kind of like in his own little league. But um, so basically, this book revolves around Miles. He mm-hmm. is a high school student who is very, I'd say, kind of antisocial from the beginning. He has very like at the beginning of the book, it literally starts with him having a birthday party, and literally nobody comes. Well, two people to show up. Oh yeah, I'm right. He's, he's like his parents are like, yeah, we're gonna have a going away party or whatever. And he's like, that's not a good idea. Nobody's gonna show up. And his mom's like, everybody's gonna show up. And he's like, no, he's gonna show up. It's like and no, then, two people show up, yeah. and the two people leave. Yes, they're like, uh, no. Yeah, and you know, from the get go, you can kind of understand that you know, Miles is not your typical teenage boy that is mostly portrayed in you know YA books. You know, usually it's a girl who is kind of like the 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 nerdy one the one that Mm -hmm. no like usually like notices and it's kind of like a different kind of change of pace for me because mostly anytime you read like a young adult book it's mostly the girl who's kind of like the innocent the the innocent one who doesn't know too much and the guy kind of kind of you know brings her into the darkness if it is i I don't know that is a great way to say it Yeah, because that's like kind of like the vibe I get usually from my A books. It's just it's usually how it works. So definitely coming into this book, because I also mentioned John Green's books are mostly made for teenagers. Yeah. So I feel like that's important to mention because like I never read this book up until I read it for this podcast, and I'm kind of happy I didn't because I feel like there's a lot of stuff to talk about in terms of like. There's a lot that we'll get in get into throughout this podcast because yeah. there's a lot to say, but I'll I'll just say that I'm kind of happy that I waited until now to read it because reading it as an adult you kind of see more, you see more things that you wouldn't have like that would have like kind of passed over your head as an as a child or as a teenager because like now you're kind of more aware you have more life experiences and you really can like kind of feel for the characters more because now you're not in that teenage stage anymore you're kind of like an adult now so like you can kind of like because like when you're a teenager all you really care about is kind of yourself and you're kind of like really focused on your life Mm -hmm. but as an adult obviously things change and you are more aware of you know people around you at least i would think so so i mean i don't know if that's some ever- people don't grow out of it but some people, most people do most people do but yeah. yeah so i feel like you know i'm happy ha- having read it you know now and yeah. i cannot wait to hear your thoughts <laughs> i so i actually read all of these the first time like early college um I think, I can't remember what book came out, but it was one of his, I think. Um, And I just bought all of his, uh, all of his books and read them all. Um, And looking for Alaska, I I literally could not remember it. Like I was reading it again for the podcast and I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I like, I kind of remember these characters, but like, I don't remember this at all. So it was (laughs) an experience. Okay, you reread um, it. Yeah, I'm glad I reread it. It's I as I got to a certain point, I was like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> but I remember. Yeah, I guess before we get much deeper into the book, we should give like a a content warning. Um, because guys, I don't know, you know, without giving spoilers. Uh, by the way, we're gonna go into the spoiler zone. 
Um, But this book does talk a lot about um, death and suicide and depression. Um, So just so you guys know that we'll be talking about those things. um, So you can either give this one a pass or uh, just so you know that it's coming. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we don't want to be insensitive to anybody. So that's why we're giving the warning just in case you know, you are somehow sensitive to these topics. We just want to make sure we give you notice so that, you know, we don't, you don't, you're not in a position where you feel uncomfortable. Yep. Okay. So do you want to start or should I start? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, you can, you can start, you can start. Okay. So cause I have a lot of thoughts to be honest. Uh Okay. So I have a whole bunch of notes. (laughs) that I wrote well not really notes it's kind of more of like you know highlighted words mm-hmm. that I feel like I need to go over because there I have a lot of thoughts like the okay. one the one that I had was there's a lot of peer pressure in this book oh my lord yes goodness gracious especially like to smoke like yes. for me, I I don't smoke I plan to never smoke and even as a teenager I did get pressured into doing those kind of things but I never faltered to it but I feel like this book there was a lot of peer pressure for Miles to do things and he kind of did things and like didn't like like really think 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 before he did it you know yeah I mean so but when I was like his age when I was a teen and trying to like fit in and now as a teen and then as like early college um as a human with low self-confidence uh (laughs) i did a lot of that kind of stuff too though it's like as soon as there was peer pressure and like i identified that if i did the thing then the cool people that i wanted to like me would like me then i did it almost without a second thought and sometimes i would think about it afterwards and be like man i really regret that decision but like most of the time i'd just be like yeah i'll do that sure Yeah, no, I mean, I get, I get it, but I was like, when I first, when I, like, that was like toward like the beginning of the book. Yeah. I was kind of like, it kind of like went right into it, like toward the, like, because usually John Green's book kind of has a slow start. Yeah, but this one was, it just jumped you, dumped you right in. Exactly. And that, I would, that was a big surprise to me. I guess in a way, that's kind of how Miles is, like, it's written like it would miles's life is you know instead of it it being a slow burn miles is suddenly goes from a life where he has two acquaintances show up to his going away party and dives into this whole new world where nobody knows him and nobody knows who he was um and he just has to either like sink or swim yep oh i'm talking about sink or swim oh my lord you brought me to the perfect segue so um toward the beginning of the book also there was a moment where pudge we'll call him pudge now because you know miles is pudge so pudge he literally gets kidnapped in the middle of the night and they throw him tied up hands tied legs tied they throw him in a river i think in the pond yeah pond yeah and he almost drowns right i have a lot of feelings about that yeah yeah, and I was like, the one that I wrote in the session was, it's a little excessive. Like, I understand, like, you know, hazing and, like, you know, recruitment and just, like, you know, having kind of, like, a, 
you know, a part where you're like, you're like inviting someone new into your group. But I feel like that was a little too excessive. That was very dangerous. Well, yeah. But like, because when he made his way back, uh, the colonel was like, wasn't that fun? And like, oh, did you go for a swim or whatever? And was surprised that they had duct taped him. Like, the, it seems like the usual hazing ritual is just to throw him in the lake, which wouldn't be as bad. It's still bad, because you never know whether a kid can swim or not, so that's kind of dangerous. But, like, duct taping someone is bad. Also, and don't ask me how I know this, but it actually can be really dangerous and bad to duct tape somebody's, like, bare skin. Um, like, you don't want to do that. I guess if you're not caring whether they live or die, because apparently that's who these kids are, it's fine. But, like, don't do that, kids. Don't put duct tape on your skin. It's bad for your skin in a lot of ways. Don't do it. Yeah, There are safe ways to duct tape yourself. (laughs) I don't think you should put on safe ways to do it. Oh, we aren't talking about the safe ways to do it. I don't want to talk about that. But there are other ways. Don't do it. (laughs) Regardless. All right. um, So also another note I wanted to make was, so there was a lot of, you know, very like memorable lines from the book i felt like there's mm-hmm. a lot of quotes that were like perfect but the one that really hit me hard was was i'll read it it says y'all smoke to enjoy it i smoke to die yeah alaska was the one that said that and at first when she said it i was taken back really because you know toward the end of the book you you will figure out what happens but when she first said that, I was like, wow, like, are you, tr- are, are you in a way saying that you're trying to kill yourself? Like, I like, after like I had read it, I was like, so like taken aback. And I even wrote that it was like that, that line was so intense, intense. And, you know, it was definitely something I did not expect John Green to do. Yeah. I, out of curiosity, and I don't remember, so maybe you do. Mm-hmm. Does Margot smoke in Paper Towns? I don't remember. It's possible that she did. I don't remember. I don't think it happened, but because, uh, okay. you know, Augustus in Fault in Our Stars had the whole cigarette thing and it was like a metaphor or whatever. Yeah. And then, okay. and then Alaska smokes like a freaking chimney. I guess she smokes to die. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that whole, I think the whole, the whole I smoke to die is that was a, a lot. Real, it's, it's a lot because, like, you know, she's not saying that she smokes because she enjoys it. She's specifically saying that I smoke to kill myself, in a sense. Maybe yeah. not kill myself, but you're smoking. Like she, I think she even says at one point that she that she enjoys smoking because she knows that it'll eventually be her downfall in life. Yeah, and that's depressing. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. All right, so, so I've been talking a lot. How about you tell me some of your <laughs> thoughts on some of the parts of the book? I did not take nearly as many notes, clearly. <laughs> uh, I didn't take any. In fact, which is weird. So, like, for Paper Towns, I took notes. Um, I at least had the book in front of me for uh, Fault in Our Stars, or it had been less time since I read it. I don't... There wasn't anything I was, like, overly excited about. I felt like... So you know how... For our episode of Paper Towns, I said it would have been better if she had died. Yeah. Well, I feel like this book <laughs> would have been better if she had lived. <laughs> I agree with you. Well, because- I mean, so, so uh, yeah, it, it, it's less that 
I wanted her to live. I, I just feel like it was a huge tonal shift. And I know that was the, kind of the point. And they all kind of grew as characters. And I appreciated the way that it worked mm-hmm. out. I don't know. I just feel like... And I, we talked about this very before we started recording. But not getting to know any answers is so frustrating as a reader. And I know that that's like somewhere in my brain, I know that this is all like a metaphor and it's supposed to be like a portrayal of how it really is when something tragic like this happens, something tragic and sudden and we can't explain it. And we can't, no matter how hard we try, we can't make it go away. We can't make it better by trying to figure out what happened etc. But it still sucks as a reader to, you know, be left with no answers. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, I feel like this book definitely leaves you to figure out things with your own imagination on what happens to Alaska. Because throughout the book, and this is where the warning comes in. Mm-hmm. So throughout the book, um, after she dies, she dies in a car crash. Mm-hmm. And it is left to the reader to know whether or not she committed suicide or because from what we know, she was drunk. So it's very either, drunk, very drunk. <laughs> so it was indicated that whether she intentionally drove to the um, police car or if she was really drunk yeah. and she just didn't realize because she didn't swerve. And I felt like that was very important because there was a point where Miles and well, Pudge and the Colonel, they decide to get as drunk as she was. Yeah. Which I yeah. thought was such a bad idea, but it was like, hilarious to, to read, of course. <laughs> yeah. But like they they get to that point and the colonel's like, oh my god, like I don't know how she could have driven like this. Right. So that like and then you find out things about like that night, how she, you know, she, we forgot to mention Jake, her boyfriend. Okay. Yeah, and so she calls him, and then apparently it's found out that she, that she, you know, forgot the anniversary of her mother's death. Right. And she, you know, decides to, you know, go and put flowers on her grave. And it's, like, kind of left to the reader to figure out whether or not she intentionally killed herself or if she just was trying to get there. And I thought it was, like, very frustrating right. Especially as a reader, because like you want the answers, but at the same time, I understand what John Green is doing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like you kind of want that final answer because you're never gonna know. And I feel like I like that at the same time because I feel like everybody has their own opinion of what happened, and there's there's never gonna be a right answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna ask you, what do you think she did? I think it was an accident. Mm-hmm. You think it was an accident? Yeah. First of all, because why would you crash into the police cruiser if there was a truck and you could avoid, you know, because she, the police officer was like, I barely got out of the way. I think I would have hit the truck. Not that I, I don't know. I don't really want to talk like that. But like, you know, if I was trying to do maximum damage to myself without damaging other people, I would go for the truck and not the police cruiser. Yeah. But I think that like they talked about her maybe falling asleep. And I think, you know, it was, Three in the morning, they were asleep before she got the call from her boyfriend. Um, she was extremely drunk, and the few times I've gotten even like, like drunk, drunk, 
I have been so tired. <laughs> like, just let me sleep. Which is like what alcohol does, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I think it was an accident. Yeah. What do you think? I think the same. I don't think she intentionally killed herself. I think it was honestly an accident in the sense of like, I think she just was freaking out that she had forgotten her mom's anniversary and mm-hmm. just, you know, needed to get there. And she thought maybe she could squeeze past the car. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what was in her mind. Right. And, and you never know, will. And of course, you never will. Obviously, she's a fictional character, but it also like <laughs> brings like to mind like all, all the stuff that was said. Like mm-hmm. there was like a very, um, thing she says. She says, "She's Pudge. What you must understand about me is that I am a deeply unhappy person." Yeah, I feel like I I'm I'm thinking that. Um, he dropped things like that in there more as a, um, like a, a way for our brains to be like, was it a suicide? Was it not a suicide? I don't know. She talked about how sad she was. So like, I feel like, I don't know. Do you know a kid under like 20 who hasn't made like a doom and gloom joke? My brother like all the way through his senior year of high school all the way through college he just makes jokes about like haha I want to die and I'm like why are you joking about that you know, I definitely agree that those jokes are made so maybe that that was his way of making it a joke but I thought like yeah. that part was very interesting to read and yeah. like because like there were there are points in the book where she was unhappy yeah like she had kind of like a destructive kind of personality to her like a side I, I don't know whether that was more like a almost a comment on mental health or whether it was literally just she is a teenage girl and sometimes teenage girls get moody and that's okay like sometimes human beings get moody and that's okay I don't know I thought I don't know if it was that she was actually like having issues or whether it was just that Pudge had this huge crush on her so when she kind of like we saw with Paper Towns how Quentin like how Q like put her up on this pedestal and didn't see the real Margot it's kind of like that like when when Pudge got to see the real Alaska it didn't live up to what he had thought yeah so it just like she's like oh well she was so moody and I know she like didn't want to talk to him but like that's I have days like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, I yeah, I agree. Because I feel like Pudge, he mm-hmm. kind of romanticized her, like, very, oh, yeah. like, upward. Like, he kind of, like, made his own version of her. Especially, like, after she died, he kind of held on to that idea of her. Yeah. Even though that was not the kind of person she was. Yeah. Also, so yeah. he he describes her nose as a ski slope a couple times, <laughs> and ever since I finished this book, I've been like staring at people's noses a lot, and I don't know how to stop. <laughs> um, like the problem. No, I don't. I don't have a solution for that. Sorry. I know. It'll it'll wear off eventually. I just got to read some other books. Okay, so <laughs> to bring up in a funny topic now. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of controversy for this book and there's a reason for it. So apparently this book was in um school's curriculum, but then it was pulled out for mm-hmm. a very specific scene. Yes. 
And what scene was that, Sarah? The blowjob. <laughs> I actually, the book, the physical copy I have has a reader's guide. And, like, he talks about how it is being taught in schools. And then I remember the Vlogbrothers video where he was talking about how his book was pulled out of schools for the blowjob. Um, and, like, and the, the way he talks about it in, in the video where he was like, I don't understand, is that it's a very clinical thing. Like, it's not, it's not like he's writing an erotic scene. Exactly. There, there's, like, sexual stuff going on but it is not an erotic scene. No, it is. Yeah, because, like, it's very... The whole point of that scene was that, you know, Miles Pudge, he's very... He does not know anything about, like, any sexual stuff, so he's very new to this kind of thing. And Laura, his... I guess they were girlfriend and boyfriend at the time, whatever. She literally (laughs) asked... She asked him, do you want a blowjob? Yeah. Have you ever had a blowjob? Uh, no. Okay, he's like, uh, okay, of course they're gonna say no. So he's like, okay, right? Yeah. So he, so this book, like, it kind, it there's, there's no romance to it. There's no, no. erotic factor. So he, all she does is she like pulls down his pants, uh-huh. then <laughs> puts her mouth on him, and then just stays there. <laughs> Something's supposed to happen, right? <laughs> and then, and then he's, and then she's like, is something supposed to happen? Am I supposed to be doing something? And then what do they do after that? They go and ask Alaska for help. <laughs> because nothing happened. And obviously they're doing something wrong. So they went and asked Alaska. Because Alaska has more experience than both of them, clearly. And she explained it. And he didn't explain it using sexual words. John Green didn't go all gross. I mean, it was a little explicit, I guess. But, like, generally... Yeah. I don't know. And it's not like it is not as much as the uh, a certain group of people would like to think that their darling children are not, you know, horny weirdos. Um, (laughs) All teenagers are horny weirdos. So it's okay to talk about sex. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because I think like I understand why it may have been inappropriate for some age groups, I just don't yeah. think pulling it out of every school was the smartest move because it's not like right. it's not like John Green is like talking so vulgarly about it. Like he's just like talking about a teenager going through a sexual like experience right. and not doing it correctly. You Which know, and- I feel like we all have some kind of something in our past. Exactly. Like. Because everybody has a first time for everything. Everybody has a first kiss. Everybody has a first everything. So, like, it's not, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I think we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely on the same page in that. I just, I just never, I, I like, I never understood the, because I never read the book before, so I never understood why. Mm-hmm. But now having read it, like, I just don't understand yeah. why because, it was such a controversy. Because some... You know, pastor's kid, not the pastor's kid, the pastor's kid's always priest, but like the president of the church council's wife's child, not necessarily his child, her child came home from school and said, mom, what's a blowjob? And then (laughs) she had a fit and she did put her little Karen haircut on and she went and she talked to the principal and the principal was like, well, we can't have that in our schools. And then it was just, you know, downhill from there. 
Yeah, but I, I'm sorry, but that's like kind of like the problem with today's like sexual like classes and sexual like you know the yeah. topic of it. It's like, it's not talked about in high school. It's not really talked about, and that's why these these kids are going out and just not knowing what they're doing, and then right. they end up getting pregnant. They end up getting an STD because yeah. they're not getting the an, the right information. I could probably go, I could, like, have a whole TED talk on how I feel about this sexual <laughs> education in schools, because, like, I feel, so, like, my education, I have parents who are very hands-off. Um, I grew up in a Christian household, um, and, like, my dad is the type of person who, like, doesn't talk about his feelings, doesn't talk about, like, what's going on with him at all, like, the one day he's like, oh, by the way, my doctor thinks I might be bleeding internally, and I'm like, what?! And he just, like, that was, like, casually mentioned, like, two years ago. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. And then, like, so, like, this is the kind of person that I grew up with. So, like, his his education, like, my education, besides, like, the abstinence-only stuff in school, was, like, here's a book. It's entitled, What's Going On in My Body? <laughs> and I got in trouble for having it at school. So. <laughs> like oh my god if I had just had like a little bit of education if I had like even a fraction of what I know now yeah. in high school I would have been so much better off I yeah. don't know yeah. No, I, I, yeah I definitely agree with that I feel like you know there needs to be more of an education and obviously maybe not I feel like using this book really would have helped because it would have shown that not everybody's first sexual experience is going to be like this perfect right. magical you know over the moon kind of experience it's going to be an experience where two people don't know what they're doing yes it's going to be fumbling and it's going to be awkward and it isn't going to be like the porn that you're watching yeah it's not going to be like the erotic books you're reading like it's, it's not like, going to be like that 50 shades of gray that was the first book on <laughs> that you read yeah <laughs> it's not going to be like that i hope not no yeah yeah it's not like he was writing yeah no, so I feel like that's, that was an important, you know, thing to talk about because I feel like that was very, it was very controversial just for that reason. I just feel like it shouldn't have been controversial just for that one reason. Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, so because I have the, uh, the reader's edition, do you want to go through some of the discussion questions? There's like an FAQ, which is fun. Yeah, I actually have the reader's thing, so I, I can, I you can, do too. I can. I was look, looking through these. They're like some intentionally vague and broad discussion question. <laughs> uh, I'm like looking through. Um, let me see. He has a Tumblr in this one. I wonder if there's a, if we can still go to that. Hmm. Okay, I have this one question. It says, by the end of the novel, Pudge has a lot to say about immortality. And what the point of being alive is, if there is a point. Do your thoughts on morality shape your understanding of life's meaning? I mean, isn't that kind of the definition of understand? I don't know. Do my thoughts on morality shape my understanding of life's meaning? Yes. Because, right. you know, when, so like, if I am an immoral, generally immoral person, my life is going to look a lot different than somebody who is generally morally upstanding. Yeah. You know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just one question. It says, if people were rain, I was drizzle. 
and she was a hurricane is a widely quoted line from the book. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite quotes and what makes them meaningful to you? I'm trying to think of like any, I mean, we talked about the dying one. You expect to die. I expect to die. That kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to remember if I, like if anything stuck, stuck out to me. Yeah. I mean, there is one that stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. And it um it was some someday no one will remember that she ever existed. I think it's a very powerful quote. Not only is that just it, it really makes you think of anybody like over the last like year in quarantine, thousands people have died, and it really it really makes you think like, is one day are are you going to forget a person that you loved? Yeah, I've gonna... actually I've lost like a lot of people recently um, oh, for various reasons. So like this is, the... and that's the thing. I feel like you don't really examine your own mortality <laughs> yeah, really. because we'd all be in a state of constant existential dread. Uh, <laughs> but I feel like when somebody you know and somebody you love leaves you, um, in that they die. Mm-hmm. it's you can't help but really think about it like yeah am I you know they say it's like you know it's in so many things but they say that you know you die twice one you know when you're when your soul leaves your body and then the second time when the last person who remembers you dies yeah it's kind of depressing to think about Wasn't there, there was a thing in the fault in our stars about that? I think. About us being eternal. Or was it in this one? No, I think it was in Baltimore Stars. Where she was talking about how, you know, I think she was talking about being a grenade and being shrapnel and embedding herself in somebody. But the deal is that then a piece of you goes with them forever. And you, I mean, all through your life, you kind of break pieces off of you and, and give them to other people and whether that's somebody that you said hi to in a grocery store once or whether it's you know your partner or it's your mom or it's your brother um everybody you interact with ends up with a piece of you and that irrevocably changes them and then when they go out into the world you whatever you did goes with them so in that way we are all interconnected and we're all eternal i actually like that idea because at first, when I saw this quote, I thought about my grandma because she unfortunately died last year. And, you know, there is a part of me that will always, you know, remember her. But I, there are some times where, like, I think, is there going to be a point where I don't remember her? Or I don't, I know I'll never, you know, forget her, but right. there's going to come a point where some of the memories will fade. And that kind of brought, brought me to, like, the book is because like Pudge kind of talks about the fact that like he's starting to lose memories of what she like used to look like or what she used to do mm-hmm. I think that was like very important in the fact that like as he's trying to remember her his the the images of her kind of like flowing away like like slowly like going going up into space in a sense right but I feel like I feel like that's how grief works, and it's okay. It's okay to not hold on to every detail of another human. Yeah, and you know, it, living or dead, and it's okay. You know, I I mean, my grandma passed away in like 2015, and it doesn't feel like it was that long ago, but it's forever. 
And I mean, I still think about her a lot and I still remember a lot of like what we did together and, you know, the experiences that I have with her. And, but, you know, I can't necessarily remember how she sounded or what exactly, you know, I, I can remember exactly what she looked like, of course, and whatever, but. I still, I got a bunch of stuff from her house, so a couple of things still smell like her, and it's, every once in a while, I'll catch it, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely in, it, it, it's a quote that kind of makes you think. Yeah. Really, yeah. And there's just one more I want to highlight. It says, mm-hmm. when you stopped wishing things wouldn't fall apart, you'd stop suffering when they did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel and like I need to become a Buddhist after reading this book. <laughs> there, there's talk about Buddhism, Christianity, mm-hmm. and what's the other one? Islam. Islam. There was a lot of talk about religion in this book, too. Yeah. So what do you think about it? Well, so um, I was raised in the church, in the Christian church. Um, and I was, I mean, I wasn't raised to not think about other religions, but I was raised in kind of like, a predominantly white place and most of us were white Christians or, you know, our, their parents were Christian, but the kids weren't or whatever. And I have a lot of friends and even like my brother who's, who are atheist or agnostic. Um, but I, I don't know if I could make it without having religion in my life, not just Christianity, but like religion in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of get it and I'm not going to judge anybody for how they have, how they deal with the world. That's fine. Um, But like, I don't know. I need it. (laughs) Um, It helps me in a lot of ways. And actually, so when I was in college, um, they were like moving the honors college from one building to another and they were selling off a bunch of books and I got myself a copy of a translated version of the Quran, which is technically not a true Quran because a true Quran is only in Arabic and does not have a translation because you can't translate the Holy Word, whatever. Um, and I remember bringing it home and my mom just got this like look of terror on her face. She's like, you aren't going to switch religions on me, are you? <laughs> like, no, wasn't planning on it. But like, you know, I think it's, important to at least look at religions and not look at the way that they're practiced necessarily because there are extremists in every religion and there are non-extremists in every religion so you know there are christian extremists we could point to half of america um but like the westboro baptists yeah um and you can point to ISIS and you can point to, um, you know, the, I mean, there are radical, there are freaking radical Jews. Like <laughs> there are, there are radicals in every religion because that's just how it works. Um, Cause some people like to take things too far. It's like the people who, there are some people who just kind of believe that the earth is flat. And then there are people who <laughs> make Netflix documentaries about it. Yeah, <laughs> It's very true. Um, and I'm not necessarily relating religion to people who think the earth is flat, but, um, some people think that that's how it is, you know? I don't know. And like, you know, there are Wicca, there are Wiccans who, who, you know, just 
love everybody who you know love the earth all that wicked stuff and then there are people who like spend their evenings cursing people because that's what wicked so like you know yeah how about you um i kind of totally forgot the question at this point that's a good question what did you ask me you asked me like how religion uh, mm, mm, mm. what did you ask I don't even remember. <laughs> we were talking about like Buddhism and stuff. Yeah, I and mean, religion. How yeah, does religion I, play in your life? I guess. Yeah, well, I am a Christian too, and you know, I, you know, I go to church and stuff, and you know, I have that in my life. It's not. I wouldn't say it's predominantly in my life though, because mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, predominantly in it, but I am in it <laughs> in the sense that that makes any sense. It does. You're it makes- like you're in the age range where people like stop doing their religion you'll get back to it eventually <laughs> okay, i agree with that yeah and I, I feel like i feel like it's very important i think because it even in the book it says that people kind of use religion as a sense of trying to like understand the world yeah you know like I, understand especially when like people die like where they go right it's and, a yeah you, you can use it as kind of a lens i think yeah. and in that way it's important to understand that it there is no one way for every human to look at the world um, about anything. And like, that's why we have different political parties. That's why we have different countries. That's why we have different, you know, cultures. It's, there is no one right way to look through, look at the world, which is why there are so many religions and And there's so many different people in the world. Yes. So I think it's important. Like, even if Christianity helps me, to feel comfort um, when I'm having, you know, a hard time or a bad time. Not everybody might feel that same comfort. And I feel like that's where a lot of problems arise with a lot of things is when people think it's my way or the highway, I guess. <laughs> but it's not really that way. It's just in the sense that of like... That man's not a Christian. That means he's going straight to hell. No? Yeah, it's like, I... I hate when people, you know, judge people just because of their religious beliefs in the sense of it, that they think that the people that have the religion feel like they are at a higher standard than everybody else. It's mm-hmm. not that. It's more of in the sense of, like, we kind of have a different understanding of how the world works. Yeah. And we're never going to push our beliefs on somebody else that doesn't want it. Like, right. we're just going to stand by what we think. And if you don't agree with it, then you're more than happy not to agree with it. You know, everybody's <laughs> entitled to their own opinions. Yeah. Everybody's entitled to their own beliefs. Like not every that's why the world is so different. That's that's why there are eight billion people in this world. I, well, I think it's actually seven, but I'm not entirely sure on that. But yeah, I think, a, you know, round up to eight. <laughs> yeah, it'll point, you know. Yeah. And I also think it's important to mention about the book is that there's a lot of talk of like last words, which was a big part of the book because Miles Pudge, he talked a lot about different characters, like last words. And towards the end of the book, he kind of obsesses over finding out what Alaska's last words were. Obviously he never finds out, but I think it's, it's a very interesting, I never thought, about that kind of thing until I read this book thinking about like people's last words like that never came to my mind I actually 
what was I listening to? And it was right after I finished reading the book. So it was crazy that it was right away. Um, the way I heard it with Mike Rowe, who is the guy who does dirty jobs and a bunch of other things. He, he has a podcast and he's been talking about his like book and stuff and like having discussions. And they were talking about, um, Oh no, it wasn't, it wasn't Mike Rowe. It was, um, uh, it was, uh, urgent care. It was Joel Kim Booster, um, which is another podcast. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. But <laughs> yeah. they were talking about you never know when you're going to do your last tweet. You know, like when a famous celebrity dies, you can go and look and, and see what their last tweet was. So, like, there was they were talking about, like, a Formula One racer, like a race car driver who the he died in a really tragic car accident during a race. And, you know, he had a lot of promise. He was a very good racer and it was really tragic. I mean, aside from the fact that he was very young, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was a big deal. Um, and there, so his tweets, his Twitter timeline, like there was the tweet that someone from his family or whatever had logged on and posted a last tweet, you know, saying, you know, he died and it's sad and this is the details or whatever. But then the tweet right before that, his last tweet was him being excited about this race and how excited he was that he qualified for it and then he was going to have this opportunity. So, like, you you never know when you'll have that last opportunity with someone and you'll never know when, you know. It, and I think that that's played up in a lot of films, too, where, like, you know, the teen and the dad get in this big argument and then something happens to the parent and they're like oh my gosh you know the last thing I ever said to him was that I hated him and then there's all this other stuff and I feel like that's played up in a lot of like film and tv no yeah I definitely agree with that it's definitely overplayed in movies <laughs> I also think it's important to know like you never really know when somebody's gonna you know die and you never yeah. know when he's gonna go I think it's very important just like it's kind of like be mindful of you know how you treat people right i think it's very important because you know you never you never know what somebody's going through you never understand where they're coming from or, or how they're feeling and i think that's important to like be mindful of when you're talking to people and when you know when if somebody's having a bad day like don't pile on that bad day because you don't know what that person is going through no kidding. yeah i feel like and i feel like a lot of religions kind of teach that too yeah. I mean, Christianity has the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would do unto you, have them do it to you. And, and that's kind of the idea, you know, don't, don't be a jerk to other people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the takeaway from the novel. There we go. Done. Golden rule. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like this book was definitely, I am glad I read it because like, yeah. it kind of made me look at the world in a different way because there was a lot of things about the book that you know maybe some things I didn't agree with you know but I feel like especially toward the ending because um when I first started reading it uh -huh. and in the book there's actually like a countdown and yeah I for that entire time I was reading it I never knew what that countdown was and then when I finally learned what the countdown was I was surprised yeah it kind of switched narrative it's kind of it it, it, it um, the beginning of the book says before. Right. And then toward the middle, that's when it says after. So I never knew yeah. what that was. 
And then when I it, then when I realized that the before was before Alaska died, and then the right. after after she died, and I was like really surprised. Like I had not, I could not believe, you know, that had happened because you know, as we know, John Green likes to play with our emotions. Oh, he sure does. Yeah, and of course, I I knew in some, I kind of spoiled myself in a sense because there's also a, there's a Hulu, um, dot well, it's like a Hulu like series. Mm-hmm. On on it's called Looking for Alaska. It's basically like the whole series of the book, and I kind of like started watching like the first episode <laughs> before I finished the book, and then I kind of spoiled myself into thinking somebody was gonna die. I thought Miles was gonna die, <laughs> but I was surprised. I want about- him to write a book where the main character dies. I'm ready for that. Good gravy. Yeah. Because he he always he always makes that the main character lives, but yeah. there's significant lives other- in sadness and despair. Yeah, it's it's always it's always something about him, and like it makes you love him Ooh. and hate him at the same time. You know? Yeah. yeah. All right. So the ultimate question: Is this book overhyped? <sighs> See, I'm gonna go with no, because. I mean, when you hear, sort of, okay, hold on, let me qualify. Okay, when you hear, this book was taught in schools, I feel like that gives you a certain level of expectation. Yeah. And I think that he met that expectation. When you hear, this book was banned from schools, you set up with a certain level of expectation. He didn't meet that expectation. (laughs) Because this didn't, I think this, this book should be, taught in schools I think it's a good book and I think a lot of schools kind of shy away from contemporary books modern books and like we read like the great Gatsby which was written a million years ago and you know all the classics that were written before any of us were born and you know and I think that we need to teach more books that are whose authors are still living yeah so Yes, I think this. I, I'm going to say yes. Yes. How about you? What do you think? So you're saying yes, it isn't overhyped, or it, it it lives up to its hype. It is not overhyped. Okay, it's okay, not. I also, <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. I also think this book was not overhyped. I think I met the expectation. I also agree that you know the part of being banned from schools. I thought it was going to be worse. To be honest, <laughs> obviously it wasn't. I think especially, like, I think the reason why I kind of like this book a lot was the fact that it didn't really shy away from things you normally think it would. Like, especially when it came to, like, death. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, you, you saw throughout the last half of the book, you kind of see, t- um, to, to c- you see the colonel, you see Pudge, and you see um, Takumi. You see how they, you know, kind of, you know, are dealing with the grief. And I think that was very important to show. It's just like, not everybody handles grief in the same way. There's never a right way to grieve. Right. And not everybody's going to grieve in the same way. Not everybody's going to cry. Not everybody's going to be up. Some people get angry. Some people Mm -hmm. cry. Some people can't get out of bed. It's like, there's so many different ways to grieve and there's never a right way to grieve. And I think this book kind of gave a good, kind of opening discussion on death and kind of like you know figuring out like sometimes sometimes you may never get that last word or you may, you may never get to like 
you know, know when somebody's going to die. So, like, I feel like that's a very important, like, moment to know that, like, you're never going to know when your last moment with someone is going to be. Right. And I think, you know, knowing that is just, like, to, you know, keep your family, your friends really close, like, know that you never know when it's going to be your your last day on Earth. You don't ever know what's going to be anybody's last day on Earth. So, honestly, you should spend that time spending it with people you love. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's, like, a very important throughout the, kind of, like, a lesson throughout the book, and I think that was very important. So, I don't think this book was overhyped. It definitely lived up to the expectation to some degree. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm I'm glad that it wasn't overhyped because I yeah. felt like after we read Paper Towns, I kind of was <laughs> disappointed. I don't know if that's the right way to say. No, I understand. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I feel like Paper Towns is a big old letdown. Yeah, it, so it was it, nice. It was nice to come back to this. Yeah, sure. it, 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 it kind of gave me like the feeling of the fault in the stars but in a much more I don't know like a much more bigger way if that's yes. a way to say it I feel like yeah. I feel like there's, there was a lot in this book there was a lot to say mm-hmm. and you know there you know there were there are moments where you know we're gonna forget what was in the book and then there are moments that stick in our head yeah. that, that's what we do as readers we are gonna pick on things that we think are important I'm uh, gonna guess and not everything that we said people are going to agree with <laughs> I mean but that's why you're listening to this right exactly. to get our opinions and you know? hey if you want to tell us why we're wrong go ahead and hit us up let's yeah. talk about our let's wrap it up okay <laughs> um, exactly. our uh you could hit us up on Twitter we are at bookify pod you can also hit us up on instagram we are bookify underscore podcast um or you can email us at uh bookify pod at gmail.com um while we're at it our logo uh our podcast logo was created by kyle you can find her c-a-y-e-l on instagram and twitter um and thank you for that because ah it's so beautiful and every time i look at it it is I think I should also mention you're finally on Apple Podcasts, so you can finally listen to us on Apple. It took two weeks, but we got there finally. <laughs> yeah, Apple Podcasts really be taking long. And hey, now that we're on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a review, five stars. Yes, yes. helps us with, with the algorithm stuff. Whatever you want, like we're not gonna stop. No, you. no, no. Don't don't rate us unless you're rating us five stars. If you want to tell us why we're wrong, you can tell us on social media, but don't rate us not five stars. Thanks. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, um, so to um, so um, starting next week, we will be reading Turtles All the Way Down. Yep. Definitely look for that next week. You're releasing this on Tuesday, right? Yeah. So that's actually the day that John Green's new novel comes out. Yeah. So, yep. or not novel? Nonfiction? I don't know. It's like a not. I actually, I just watched the last Vlog Brothers video. Was Hank Green talking about it? I didn't know what it was about. Do you have you actually looked at it? No, I actually haven't. I know it's a, it's so, a set it's of called, essays. Yeah, it's called the Anthropocene Review, and the deal is that he is rating things in humanity in life on a five star scale. 
Um, and Hank actually talks about like the, the background of it. And apparently there's a podcast. I don't know, but we're going to get to it. We'll get to it. But yes, next week. Uh, it's, so if you, if you haven't read it, you can go out and get it. That way you'll be ahead of the game. Um, for us, <laughs> yeah. we, we will get to it um, right after Turtles All the Way Down, which will be next week's. Which is also my favorite book out of all of John Green's books. I haven't read it yet, so. <laughs> I am so happy to be talking about it, so you're going to be hearing me rant a lot about it. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you.